You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to Huddle Up a Football Podcast. I'm Tony, joined by Corey, as always. Welcome back. Corey, do you remember when it was just us in the basement? Yeah, dude, that was that was awesome. I wish we could go to that. We were sitting at the bar, and that one time you spilled beer all over my laptop. Like, it was such a fucking yeah. rinky-dink thing. We had one microphone. We sat between the two of us. Yep, yep. It was awesome. Honestly, those were probably the best audio quality episodes we had. Really? I thought they sounded good. I think they sounded good. I think they were really processed. I processed the shit out of them, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't do maybe any of that. I liked about it. Maybe so. I don't. Maybe I should do that again. I don't do any of that well, anymore. And I even miss the early days of like sitting on the couches over like next to the bar, and we, me, Danny, we all had microphones like on big giant, giant long wires, and we were sitting there talking. I think we, we did that one beers time. In our hand. Oh. I think that only happened once. Really? Yeah, I think it was only one episode. We need to find a way to. It's hard these days, but it is hard it'd be cool days. to do it in person. Yeah, we should find a way to make special treats or something. Maybe, yeah, maybe like <clears throat> uh, maybe like week one or something. We, something, yeah. I don't know. Maybe like a live uh, Sunday morning of week one NFL stream. Well, week one's a home game, so I'll be at the stadium. God damn, dude. Yep. Sorry about everything. I don't ruin everything. Week one's an away game. No, it's the Jags at home. I tried to trick you. Nope. I got it up here. Hey, Colts haven't won a home game in a week of week, or they haven't won a week one opener in like 12 seasons. You know, I'm glad you said that. We're going to talk about running backs today. Uh, but I almost, I guess I kind of forgot for a second. I kind of wanted to look at some bets and just go over some futures and some different bets with you. Uh, are the Colts going to beat the Jags week one? Do they, I don't know, like... Do they break their record? Like, at this point, like, it's... Like, even though the Colts are going to suck and the Jags are going to be good, like, maybe this is the year just because it's... Like, the odds have to level out at some point, right? I mean, you would think so. So, yeah, fuck it. Colts win week one. They give, it, they give us a bunch of false hope. Oh, fuck. A bunch of false hope. Last last year was rough. That was a lot of false hope. Remember when they called Matt Ryan an astronaut? And a, jet and a fighter pilot? Yeah. Fucking Ursay, dude. Oh, Ursay. Yeah. Oh, Ursay. Uh, let's we'll start there. We'll start with Ursay. Unless there's something non running back you wanted to wanted to talk about. No, let's talk about Ursay. So Ursay tweeted um, This is a third Thursday podcast. So Wednesday night. Ursay tweeted that NFL running back situation. We've negotiated a CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise and good faith by both sides to say now that a specific player category wants another negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Agents are selling bad faith. Which is important because we know what's going on with the running back situation. And obviously Jonathan Taylor's been pretty vocal. I guess there was some meeting. You know about this meeting last week that all the running backs got together on? Yeah, I heard about it. I don't know. 
I mean, I've heard things that came out of it, but I don't know. They're like, there's no facts, you know, but yeah. Yeah. There's a running back meeting, I guess. Which, man, I don't know what they, I don't know what they were talking about. Um, there were some insiders that were invited. I think Pelissero was invited. Pelissero. I always say his name wrong. Rappaport may have been there. Uh, some insiders were in the meeting, but Jonathan Taylor was definitely there. He wants a new deal. He's been very vocal about it. Um, and so for Ursay to send this tweet at this time, uh, I'll just say JT's agent responded by saying, bad faith is not paying your top offensive player. That was the response. So what do we do with Jonathan Taylor? He's due about $4 million this year. Don't have his contract in front of me. As a matter of fact, I do. Base salary is $4,304,000. Uh, 813 of that was due at signing. So that's where we're at there. Um, what do you do if you're Jonathan Taylor? Do you play? Do you demand a new deal? Do you hold out? I mean, they. so from what I understand, the CBA that they negotiated is good until 2030. So I think this is something they're just going to have to deal with. Um, like, I know Jim Irsay's tweet seems a little like, I don't know, reckless and maybe bruising, but it's true. You, they negotiated the deal. Um, and, the you know, the market sets itself, right? Well, you know, these running backs sign deals, and then you get, you get a market. So I'm, I'm guessing – you know, the Saquons, the Jonathan Taylors, they're wanting to be the highest paid running back in the league. Like every time a new quarterback gets a deal, even if they're not the best in the league, they get the most money because they're, they just set the market. Right. So well, with these running backs, the, um, the value just isn't there. They've, they've set the market. And, uh, what was in last week when I was looking into this, I was looking at all the highest paid running backs and I don't know if I can pull it up quick enough, but, Nick Chubb, I think, is one of the newest contracts he's, to sign. He's one of the highest, yeah. But he's only he's like fourth or fifth on the list. Like he's not up there at number one. It's like McCaffrey. Let me see if I can pull it up. Yeah, here. you pull it up, and and you talk about setting the market. So I'm going to pivot for a second to Saquon Barkley because he kind of did just set the market. I think we can all agree that Saquon is one of the best, if not in consideration for the best running back in football. Now, the situation's a little different. Like, we're going to talk about McCaffrey in that conversation. Uh, we can talk about – people are already talking about Bijan in that conversation. But it was, it's a, a reasonable person could say that Saquon Barkley is the best running back in football, and all of the external forces like uh, surrounding cast and all that other stuff aside, the argument could be made. Well, Saquon didn't sign his, his franchise tag. Instead, Saquon negotiated a new deal that's only $900,000 higher than the franchise tag would have been in the first place, which is the same thing that Austin Eckler did just a few months ago. So the market has been set by some of the greatest running backs in the game today. Barkley and Eckler are both about $10 million a year guys. So here's what's interesting is that they're only one-year deals. So what I'm seeing right now, what the market is telling me is they're willing to pay a running back, but they're not willing to pay a running back. I think about um, Ezekiel Elliott. Like, dude, that was a bad deal. Yeah. That was a bad deal. 
They're not you willing to. Another, they don't want to pay them it. for four or five years. It's like a rental, like it's a lease. You want another bad deal? Yeah, the highest it. paid running back in the league by year is Alvin Kamara at 15 mil a year, and he still has three years left on his contract. Yeah. Wow. That's a bad deal. That's a bad deal, man. Is and it really? How does that break out? How does that contract uh, break out? Say I'm on sports track yeah, and they kind of, they kind of, I like them better than over the cap. Yeah. I like sports track a, a lot. If I, if I go, if I click on his name, I bet it's more detailed, but it's just given an average, the signing bonus guaranteed. So his total contract was 75. There's 22 guaranteed. Um, but an average annual value of 15 mil. Um, Maybe I could sort by that. Yeah, so his base salary this year, uh, just so you know, the base salary this year, this is one of those devil in the details. The Saints do this really well. Remember when they signed Taysom Hill to that deal, made him the highest paid quarterback? I think he was highest paid for like two days. And it was all like, it's all in this really weird way they do it. His base, Alvin Kamara's base salary this year is a million dollars. His base salary next year is 10 million. Ooh. In 2025, it goes to $22 million for his base salary. Wow. And his dead cap is only $9 million that year. So they've really got it set up to be, it's really two more years, 23-24. they got to pay him those two years. He's going to get paid $11 million to play two more years of football if they don't trade him. And then in 2025, they're probably going to restructure or cut him to save themselves $11 million. Yeah, Alvin Kamara is getting cut. Now, Alvin uh, Kamara is going to get suspended. That's a good example, I guess. Well, a bad example because yeah. he's going to miss games anyway. Well, uh, you know, that's a risky run with these guys, right? You know, I'm not necessarily off the field stuff, but injury stuff. It's just the position they play. I mean, Chris, Christian McCaffrey is a prime example. When he's on the field, his average annual salary is $16 million a year, which is the highest in the league. Um, but when he's on the field, it's worth it. It's just, are you going to get Christian McCaffrey the whole season? So, I don't know. Um, I, these guys are probably asking for top-tier money. Then you got to ask yourself, are you better than Christian McCaffrey? And I don't know that any of these guys are. They, I, I don't think any of these guys are better than Christian McCaffrey. No. And I think some of them might think they are. Like, I could see Jonathan Taylor thinking he is. Like, he's younger. He's maybe a little bit bigger. He's um, not as accomplished, that's for sure. But he's got more time available than Christian McCaffrey sure. does. So I don't know that he, and I, now we're speaking for a person that we've never even met before. I don't think he wants $15 million a year. But what's crazy to me is I don't know what he wants. Because the franchise tag ain't bad. Now what I will say with Jonathan Taylor is he's not playing on a franchise tag. Jonathan Taylor's playing for $4 million this year. It'll be the biggest year of his career. Uh, but it's only $4 million. And, and I think what we're seeing right now, the market has been set by Austin Eckler, by Saquon Barkley, the market's about $10 million for a feature back. Yeah. I think Nick Chubb is like Nick Chubb's contract is what Jonathan Taylor needs. Just ask for a little bit more than that. What is it? There's a three, three year deal for 36 million, 17 million of it was guaranteed. So about half of it. And that's 12 million a year. Like Jonathan Taylor should be asking for just a little bit more than that. That is the perfect deal. Yeah. Do you think that's team friendly? I, w- I would imagine it's structured, yeah. I yeah. mean, they met in the middle somewhere, right? Yeah. 
I think I think ten million is the right number for a feature back. Um, what do you do though if you're so you threw this out before? We don't need to go over Barkley. We already know what he would do. Like that that situation is resolved. I think we can move on. I'm glad Barkley got a deal. I'm excited to see the Giants offense again. They were a sneaky team. They were actually like kind of fun to watch. I I feel like it's going to repeat again. Don't know how. Don't know why. I guess Darren Waller's up there now. But Waller, Barkley, Daniel Jones, they kind of got a little bit of swag again. I'm a little bit excited to watch the Giants. We don't need to talk about them anymore, though. That's resolved. Uh, if you're Jonathan Taylor, you're due $4 million this year. What do you do? I mean, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm like, there's no, there's literally nothing you can do about it until 2030. So you got to ride it out. That's not true. Uh, That's not true. So, what do you mean? So the CBA, the new CBA... Doesn't say you're not allowed to hold out. You're still sure. you're still allowed to not come to work. Sure. The consequences the consequences of holding out are obviously you're going to miss a game check if you miss a game. Um, for any player in the league during camp, there's a fine of fifty thousand dollars a day you miss. For rookie players on their first year deal, the team can choose to not enforce that fine. They have the choice to respect the player, negotiate a salary. Well, Resign him. Veteran players on their second contract or more, that cannot be voided by the team. It can't be waived. If you have signed a contract and you're in the league, you're going to be fined for not showing up. You got to show up to work when you say you're going to work. That's the way they look at it. But with Jonathan Taylor, he's still on his rookie deal. So it cost him nothing to miss practice, to miss camp, to miss all these events. It's not going to cost him anything unless the team decides to enforce it. Now, what we've seen out of Jim Irsay in the past, um, thinking of a certain quarterback that quit on us, maybe in the third preseason game, uh, they gave Andrew Luck all the money. I don't see them finding Jonathan Taylor if they, if they make a deal. So that's where it's a little bit different is because, you know, as long as it works out, there's nothing lost. Now, of course, yeah, if he doesn't, he doesn't show up for a game, that's a different story. He doesn't show up for a game, it's a huge amount of money. Probably, he's not going to get the contract he wants, though. Like, what do you, what kind of contract do you think he's asking for? I think I would bet um, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, my agent's probably pushing me to ask for something like Chubb um, in the 12, probably 12 to 15. 15. Man, I keep getting back to that number. Saquon, I'm not Saquon. Christian McCaffrey makes 15, so my agent's probably not telling me that I'm there. Because the performance wasn't there in the first three years. Although it was great. But last year really set us back a little bit. Yeah, last year's rough. $12 million, a year on a three- to four-year deal. It's probably what I want. With most of it guaranteed now, by the way. That's probably what I want if I'm the running back. So let me ask you this, Jonathan Taylor. Okay. We, we, can, we can do something kind of like that, but I'm going to bump your incentives. If you reach all these milestones... I'm going to make you $16 million a year. We could do that. We could sign that contract where it's like a, like a nine to eight, eight to 10 million a year. But if you hit all these milestones, you're at like 15 a year, 15, 16, you'll be the highest paid running back in the league. Or I could get you your fully guaranteed money, which is probably what you want, probably what you're really asking for. And we'll do eight mil a year for four years. No, no, eight year, eight mil a year for three years, fully guaranteed. No way. Oh, oh, oh. You say fully guaranteed? Eight mil. 
what's that, 8, 16, 24 million a year? No, there ain't no way. It's interesting. That's a problem. That's it's, a problem. it's interesting. Um, and I get it. So when I look at the first scenario, incentive based, <clears throat> we know that I'm a player that has run for, I mean, in 2021, Jonathan Taylor ran over 300 attempts. Last year it was just at 200, but Jonathan Taylor had some injury issues. But even with the injuries, with only 11 games started, he ran the ball 200 times. So we're going to talk about, obviously, the risk of injury is what plays in on both sides here. Yeah, that's why I don't want to pay you. Yeah, that's why, that's why I don't want to do an incentive deal. And I got Deion Jackson, who when you were gone, put up 45 fantasy points. Sure, 45 fantasy points gave you the fourth overall pick in the draft. <laughs> what? Your 45 fantasy points you got out of Jackson gave you the fourth pick in the NFL draft. I don't give a well, fuck we're... about your fantasy points. <laughs> you lost. All, all I'm saying, as Jim Ursay or Chris Ballard is... Ursay would yeah, talk th- about his fantasy points in a contract negotiation. So, uh, this, he this, would. The big issue is not that Jonathan Taylor isn't valuable or that Saquon Barkley isn't valuable or Dalvin Cook or any of these other guys. It's that there's a line of 200 other running backs who with a competent offensive line, I could plug in and they could rush for over 100 yards nine weeks out of the season just because they're athletes. I, I don't know if I agree with you. That's the issue, though. I don't agree with you because there's so many times, you know, we talked about the Colts had pretty competent offensive line play. I wouldn't say the best offensive line, but this is a good example because for quite a while, now I know I'm thinking back to, man, I'm going to put my foot in my mouth here because I'm thinking back to the quarterback injuries that the Colts have had for so many seasons back to back. Um, But overall, the offensive line wasn't graded as the worst for several years. And it wasn't until very recently that it was expected to have 100 yards rushing. Like, it's not enough to just be behind a good offensive line anymore. The corners are too good. The safeties are too fast. Um, those, those big plays that you can bust out for, I'm thinking of Dalvin Cook right now. Dalvin Cook had, I think, like two, two huge runs last year. Um, but it's really hard to get away from those safeties on the deep ball. And without that, we're talking about guys grinding their faces off to pick up four yards a carry. So how many carries do you have to get in a game to get to 100 when a good running back's getting four yards a carry? It's a shitload. It's 20 or more. I mean, 20 at four yards a carry is only 80 yards. So you're talking about a good, efficient running back at four yards a carry has to have a minimum of, what is that, 26 yards? I'm making loose math here in my head, but 26 attempts every game for 18 games that's the that's where we're at here we're talking about a position that if you want to maximize one player and i think this is why we see teams like the patriots never have an issue with this they never have a problem with running back contracts because they just they keep it stable right they don't give anybody a chance to have the right to (laughs) to want 10 million a year correct like nobody is working so hard that they deserve that kind of money um there are other te- and, and as a result, I would say, I think the Patriots, uh, the Patriots have lesser running backs than the rest of the league does. Now they make it work. They make it work in other ways. They make it work with a better defense, better schemes, better offensive planning. Like they make it work. I'm not shit talking them. It's just a different way of playing the game. They don't use a feature back. 
I can't remember the last time they've ever used feature back. Like this has never been a problem with the Patriots. And so, and it goes back to what you said, that hundred yard threshold's perfect. Like it's a big fucking deal to get a hundred yards in a game. And I think we take it for granted. Maybe it's because we're fantasy guys, right? But it takes so much work, even for a good running back. And I think four yards a carry is a good, good running back. No, four yards is, is the number because four times three is 12 and 12 is a first down. Well, it takes 26 uh, of them a game to get to 100. Yeah. The, all I'm saying, the, the reason they're not getting paid is because like the 10 mil you pay Jonathan Taylor to be a little bit better than the average running back isn't worth, you know, uh, week six, uh, Deion Jackson for the Colts. 12 attempts, 42 yards rushing, 10 receptions, 80 yards, um, uh, one rushing touchdown, no receiving touchdowns. Like, that's a big week, and that's out of a backup player. Like, that that's the – like, he's probably not even getting a mil a year. Yeah. It's, De- it's Deion Jackson, and you got production out of him. Like, it's just about having a competent offense. And if, if you don't pay that running back – first of all, if you do pay him and he's hurt – then you wasted your money. Uh, if you don't pay him, you can have some a rookie come in, be productive, and then you can distribute that money elsewhere. You put a little bit more money in that offensive line, open up bigger holes for another athlete to run through. I, I, I'm very much on the side of not paying these guys. As much as I like Jonathan Taylor, I love watching him rush for the Colts. Well, what do you mean not paying him, though? Define that for me. Like not paying him $15 like, million a year? or are you, You're saying $10 million a year is a fine deal. For a feature back, I would pay. I would pay Jonathan Taylor whatever Nick Chubb's getting paid. So twelve a year. Nick Chubb's getting. I would pay him twelve a year. A similar contract, like half of it was guaranteed. Okay, I'm fine with that. I think that's a good solution. I think that's a good solution too. But that's the problem, though. Jonathan Taylor probably feels like he's the best back in the league, and he wants Christian McCaffrey money, and that's just not possible. Now, so if you're Jonathan Taylor, do you just not? You just not play? If I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm I'm shutting up and taking the money because it's generational wealth. Like, you're you're really gonna go test the market? Like, well, the, you can't test the market. It's not an option. You're under contract. Well, it, is, it is after this year. Yeah, correct. Okay, that's true. That's true. It is after this year. So you're saying you're playing this season no matter what, and if you don't get anywhere with the organization, you walk. Well, it's a contract year, so yeah, I'm yeah. playing this season because if the Colts don't want to pay me, maybe somebody else will. Okay. But I can. But if he hits the open market, he ain't getting shit either. Dalvin Cook's on the open market, and he's arguably, you know, he's at the tail end of his prime, but he's still a really good running back, right? Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. I don't know. I think we can move on from Jonathan Taylor. I don't think we got much well, more to say there. Yeah, he's just the like the focus right now. It yeah, is, no, he is, and he should be. We're talking it's, about it's, Jonathan Taylor, but we're talking about all running backs. Correct. Right? We are talking about all running backs. And so, in my opinion, if you're a running back, you take the money, you take the three years. I mean, even if it's $8 million a year, like, that's a generational wealth. Your kid's going to, you know, your kid may not have to work a day in their life if you take that money. But if you don't play, they, they, they may have to work the rest of their life, you know? It's, like, for me, it's just a no-brainer. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this is a bad time to be a running back in the NFL, unfortunately. But that's just the reality of the situation. 
And everybody says, you know, tell your kids not to play running back. Well, at the end of the day, there's always going to be a running back. So somebody's always going to be in this situation. There's always going to be a best running back in the league that's going to have this issue. How, do you, how, how do you think, that, like, just for the NFL overall, like Jim Irsay is tweeting about the, the agreement they made, like, how is, how, what's the resolution to this, Tony? What do you think? I think the resolution is, and quite honestly, I think Jim, this is good. This gets me to where I want to be. I think this tweet by Jim Ursay is really more broad. It's not focused to Jonathan Taylor. Correct. Like this is so not. People a, are going to interpret that as. Correct. And JT's going to get all bent out of shape. And I get it. I would too. I'd probably be all fucking butthurt. You know me well enough. I'd be standing on a desk, screaming at everybody, telling them how much I fucking hate their guts because they're assholes. You know I'd be saying that. But the reality is. I think this Jim Irsay comment is as much about Josh Jacobs as it is Jonathan Taylor. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's anything wrong with Jonathan Taylor being like, Hey guys, been here three years, did all the rookie stuff. Um, you're about to pay me this year, but I don't think it's enough. Right? Because the truth is Jonathan Taylor made half a million dollars his first year, less than a million his second just finally broke a million dollars last year. His base salary is 1.3 million last year. And so this year he's set to finally get paid. They're going to keep him. They're going to pay him $4 million. But the fact of the matter is we know based off history, they're going to use him for more than $4 million is worth. So it's perfectly reasonable for him to be like, Hey guys, let's talk about this. Right? I think that's a reasonable thing. I think it'd be reasonable for the Colts to renegotiate, to structure him up, keep him on three or four more years Hell, I, couldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with a five-year deal out of the Colts. If they told me it was five years, $50 million, 25 guaranteed, I'd be like, okay, I'm cool. We don't have to worry about that position for a while. As a fan, as an owner, you're protected. You don't have to overpay for five years. As a player, you've got some guaranteed money. You've got a fair contract. But here's the problem is we know that JT is going to be used. So he can't, he, he's going to be used more than $4 million. So he can't sit here and just not ask for more. Having said that, I don't think Ursay's tweet was about Jonathan Taylor. I think it was more, a lot more about Josh Jacobs. So sure. Josh Jacobs' situation is a little bit different because he's a player, he's an example of a player who has already signed a contract. He's not on a rookie deal. He's a veteran player in the league. He signed a contract. His contract came up, and the league ex- exercised their right to franchise tag him he exercised his right to not sign the franchise tag. So as of now, Josh Jacobs isn't under contract for any team in football. He doesn't belong anywhere, which is pretty interesting. That's the first time I think this has come up that at least I've been paying attention. Um, What's unique about this is we talked about the fines, the $50,000 a day and all that stuff. It doesn't apply to Josh Jacobs anymore. Like he's now exempt from that part of the collective bargaining agreement because he's not under contract. So what we have here is essentially a guy who's just saying he's going to sit out for a year with no consequence. Now I worry. So here, this is what Jim is talking about. We got a team that's using their right that was negotiated by the players association and by the, by the owners. And the, the tool was like, Hey dude, we're going to pay you 10 million bucks a year. We know you don't really like it here, but you can stick around and I'll give you a whole bunch of money. And instead, for some reason, he wants more. What do you think about the Josh Jacobs?
Old Josh Jacobs. Uh, here, give me one second here. Let me look at his stuff. Because they, the Raiders, they franchise tagged him, right? They did. They tagged him, and he didn't sign it. I mean, like, this is the situation that Jonathan Taylor could be in next season. Like, like you've... I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I guess like what I, what I was asking you is like, this is a problem for every star running back in the league. So like, how did, how do the players in the league fix the situation is I guess my question. Um, is it, sorry. Is he, uh, he's sitting out. Is he getting paid? No, he's not getting paid. He didn't sign his deal. So he's not under contract. He's just a guy. And that it's like, it's like Tom Brady's retired. But if he wants to come back, he plays for Tampa. Is that right? Is he still under contract with Tampa? Uh, I don't know that he is. Okay. Okay. Then I'll use Sean Payton. Like Sean Payton got traded to Denver after he retired. Sure. So he's not getting paid because he retired, but he's still under contract because Denver still holds the right to the asset. It's the same situation. He's essentially retiring from football for a year if he doesn't show up at any point. Which hasn't worked out in the past. It definitely on Bell. Definitely hasn't worked. Melvin Gordon, too, by the way. How, how do the running backs in the league fix this, Tony? What do, we, what do they have to do? You know, the What's shame the is... I don't know if there is a solution. I think this like could the be... Value, a, the value has come down. It's like, it's like the car market, right? Every car that goes through the auction block has a, the people buy it for a certain amount and a value set over time, and that's what you get for your car, right? Well, there's only 200, 300 running backs in the world that are getting it paid in the NFL, and it's all public information. It's really easy to find out. So we know what these guys are worth. It's maximum 16 mil and less than that, and that's not enough. The trouble is, for me, and Josh Jacobs is a good example. I looked at some offensive stats before the show. Josh Jacobs ran. Uh, he would counted for about 2,000 total, total yards of about 6,000 total yards of offense. So he's a third of the offense. Now, of course, there's offensive lines. Uh, there, there's tight ends that block. Like, there's all that sort of stuff. But when you put it down on paper and look just at the production... That running back accounted for 30% of the entire team's total offense over 18 games. And so you struggle. You know, that's where you run into a wall. You really run into a paradox there. And, and we, it's easy to say any guy can do it. But why doesn't every guy do that? Why doesn't every team because have only a, one can play? But why because doesn't only a, why didn't every team have a running back stable that's getting two thousand rushing yards? Because they're not. Because if one's a little more ma- more athletic than the others, why not play them? When we put them all together, why aren't they averaging a third of the offense? Because they're not. That's my argument. That's my argument. You're 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 right in your thought process, but where it's flawed is, you know, when we when we let's take Jacobs out right and put a, another guy in. Let's put a very athletic Corey Wilkerson college running back into that offense, that group, that unit with all the running backs there isn't accounting for a third of the offense. It's just not happening across the league. There are a few guys who are unique and Jacobs is one of them. Wasn't a believer in him for a long time, I guess a year, because he's proved me wrong real quick. But 
but Josh Jacobs was a third of that offense by himself, and there are not many groups in the league that, that achieve that as an entire locker room. So that's where I struggle with you. And then you add in, you know, when you talk about the exposure that those groups have to get the same production out of those three guys, not only is it less likely, but all three of those guys take less wear. All three of them have less risk on the table. And so that's where, to me, that's where I have a little bit of sympathy with these running backs, man. I mean, they're putting, you know, I mean, they're putting their fucking bodies on the line here, dude. They're going to be crippled. Like, that's, yeah. that's what it is. Let's just call it what it is. And, that, I, and I think that right there is the ultimate problem, right? They're putting their bodies on the line. They're going to be crippled. I'm about to pay you for four more years. Meanwhile, this shitty quarterback... Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy for a fucking minute. What's he getting paid? 20? Yeah, but the, but the quarterback, the position has a higher value. No, I get it. I get that. I get that. If there's 300 running back, like, all right, 150 people in the world that are athletic enough and have the skill to play running back, there's only, like, 35 quarterbacks out there in the world that are capable of starting for an NFL team. That, that might be like. That's a good way of looking at it. It's, it's supply and demand, right? Yeah. No, that's a good way of looking at it. And I don't disagree with you. So my struggle comes in with these high-end players. I don't think we're really talking about like the LeGarrette Blunts of the world or the, I'm trying to think of like Willie, Sne- not Willie Sneed, um, who was the uh, muscle hamster? Ronald, uh, Ronald Jones. Doug Martin. Doug Martin. Ron- Doug, Martin. Doug Martin. Like, these guys, they're just guys. Like, they are just athletic freaks. They're just guys. But the cream of the crop is where we struggle. I don't know. To me, that's, to me, that's the hard part, is what do we do with yeah. these top echelon of players? It's really hard. I've thought about it a lot. The only thing I could see really happening, and I don't know if this is really a solution, but maybe... Maybe when the CBA comes back around, and maybe over the next few years, like, we see more like Debo Samuels pop into the world that play, you know, a little running back, a little wide receiver. And maybe that the running back and the wide receivers adapt their own like position name. Maybe like, uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you call running backs and wide receivers as a group? You're talking Uh, about fantasy football. You're talking about a flex player, aren't you? Yeah. A flex, but what's what, what a a real skill player, like a skill position position player. Yes. So maybe, I don't know. Maybe in the next five years, the the terms wide receiver and running back, they start working that out, and you start just seeing, like, skill position player, and all these players get grouped into the same, the same group, opposed to having running backs and wide receivers. And these players, like Christian McCaffrey is probably the best example of this. He's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. He's not just a... He's actually, I wouldn't even call Christian McCaffrey a workhorse, right? He's a weapon. Like, he's way more versatile than just a running back, where Jonathan Taylor is the complete opposite. Jonathan Taylor is a workhorse running back, so I think that presents even more problems for him. But if, you know, over the next few years, they can kind of adapt and adjust, and the, you know, these players are going to have to just start becoming more versatile and maybe force themselves to be called a wide receiver or a a weapon or a skill position player to get that money. Like you can't just be a workhorse running back because guess what? 
the Colts just traded for Zach Moss for a six round pick and Naeem Hines. And like, I feel like you can plug him in behind a really good O line. And he's I f- just as a workhorse, he's going to be pretty solid. So these guys have to find a way to separate themselves. And <clears throat> you're not wrong. And I'm from, from an ownership's perspective, I feel like we're dangerously close to rambling on this. Um, but I'm willing to keep going with it. That's a really good example because Zach Moss is a huge body that behind a solid offensive line with a decent playbook should be able to get four yards of carry. He'll do fine. Like right? He's a guy. He's just a guy. He's yeah, not- he cannot do what Christian McCaffrey does. He's Correct. in a totally different league. Correct. Jonathan Taylor cannot do what Christian McCaffrey does. Alvin Kamara. He Alvin Kamara he can can't, do that. can't do what Christian McCaffrey does. He's closer. He's closer. He's more uh, flexible. I wish we had a spectrum. Right now, I wish we had, like, a spectrum that we could drop these guys in, like workhorse utility. Because I think you're right. Like, the farther close – I'm thinking of Cordell Patterson. Sure. There you go. Like, here's a guy – Look at him. Look at him. He he was – he was kind of a niche player throughout his whole career. But here towards the end with the Falcons, which would be the – you know, towards the twilight of some running back's career in the NFL, he's actually flourishing as a utility player and a running back. Like, I don't know. That's like a perfect example. Cordero Patterson. Now, but here's another, here's a counter to that. What about Derrick Henry? Because I think that anybody listening to this podcast is going to agree that Tennessee is garbage dog shit without Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, Derrick Henry's, I mean, arguably the greatest workhorse running back the NFL has ever seen. Like just somebody to run between the tackles and just maul. Like they like, that's an outlier. That's an absolute outlier in Derrick Henry. Is he though? I would, I would say so. I mean, it took Derrick Henry like four years of being terrible before he finally, one day he just turned on. Sure. I mean, there are guys out there. We are going to see another Derrick Henry before this is done. Sure. And and we got a comment here. He's the end, of the end of an age. And I kind of agree with you. Like, football is is moving more towards these utility guys. Bijan, right? Bijan, we talked about Cordell for a second. And look what he got. He got replaced immediately by Bijan Robinson, who does everything better than Patterson's going to do it. But having said that, there are going to be pure runners. They're going to need to be compensated. And they're different. That's the problem. I wish we could have subcategories. Like, you're, just, you're saying it right now. Like, if there was a way to subcategorize these running backs, that would be awesome. Because there are guys, I think, who deserve more money. I think there are guys that deserve, fuck, 20% of the cap. Because they, they contribute that much to the team. But to yeah. say that the entire position deserves that kind of increased value... Uh, I guess to me, we, we talked about market value. And I'm going to go back to where we started on the show with Saquon Barkley. Like, does anybody listening think that Saquon Barkley is not an elite quarterback, an elite running back? If you think that he's not an elite running back, you're probably an idiot. So I'm going to disagree with you until you're an idiot because Saquon is one of the best of the best. And the man just agreed to essentially the franchise tag. But here's what's interesting about Saquon's deal. He agreed to a franchise tag without the accelerator for next year. So he potentially cost himself money by agreeing to this deal. Yeah, he can't be franchise tag next year, right? They work that into the deal. 
Um, I didn't read the entire contract. I mean, like, obviously, I don't read all of anybody's contract, but I just looked at the money. Like, on the money side of things, it was just a little less than a million more with 200, with two million up front. So those were the advantages he had with some incentives and a little bit of cash right away. Um, the, the, but the point I was making is if he was tagged this year and he played on it and then he got tagged again, it would accelerate and ramp up to a new level of money that he wouldn't be able to negotiate on the next deal. He's not getting 15 million next year. He might get 10 again if he performs really, really well. So there is some, that's some, that, that was a weird decision. I probably wouldn't have, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have encouraged him to go that way. But uh, regardless, that's the market. Saquon is the market for an elite workhorse running back. And we talk about Christian McCaffrey and the utility set. Saquon Barkley is that guy. He's probably the closest thing to Christian McCaffrey that we have right now. And then after that's probably maybe, maybe Camara. But I still, don't, I still don't believe that Kamara has the bulldozer in him that these other guys have. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I think some of these running backs just seem to bite the bullet, take the money, enjoy their uh, stardom. Um, because I think we learned that, you know, being a running back, it's not a super long career. So make the most of it while you can. Earn some money. Help your family. Um, and then, you know, maybe in the future we see a different NFL. We, you know, we're moving into different eras. Like the NBA is becoming way more of a positionless league. And I think in similar ways, the NFL is too, you know, like I mentioned with Christian McCaffrey. So I think these guys just have to adapt, you know, maybe accept the reality of the situation and say, Hey, you know what? I'm not getting what I want. It's just where it is. Let me be humble about it. I love, I love playing football. So let's just get a solid contract help my family, play football, do what I love, build a legacy, and move on. And then, you know, maybe I can pave, pave the ground for the future generation after 2030 and see what they negotiate on the next round. Um, yeah, it, it, it sucks. It sucks to be running back right now, but it's the reality of the situation. It's like uh, buying a Fiat in 2015. <laughs> they just saying we're shit now. <laughs> Yeah, it does suck. It sucks to be running back right now, man. I feel for him because we need him. Uh, we have to use him. We're going to use him. And I say we as a collective of football. Uh, but you're right. Uh, they're not going to get crazy. Paid. How about this? The in fantasy football, the running back is the most valuable position you can have. Where in the NFL, it's with the situation we're in, is like the least valuable. Well, I position. think that that goes back to kind of what. What I was saying is that I wish there were tiers because in fantasy, the reason that that player is so valuable is because there are so few of them. You have to start two every week in your roster. Only yeah. about five are worth starting every single week. Yeah. And those guys are the what guys, if- those are the guys you want to spend your second overall pick on in a fantasy football roster. Do you think NFL teams would be more willing to spend money on running backs if they didn't count against the salary cap? Absolutely. That might be the solution. Whoa. Get Goodell on the phone now. Hey, let's just put a little clause in here. Running backs don't count against salary cap. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. 
subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. Thanks for stopping by, Mr. Smiles and T-Smalls. You fellas have a good night.